All right, this is the Coach Haas Podcast, sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. And uh, we have another special guest on tonight, Mike. This is Michael's friend. This is Mike Quinton's out of uh, Newtown Square. He is the clinical director and partner of the uh, Physical Therapy and Wellness Center uh, down, like I said, down in Newtown Square. Uh, Mike, pleasure to have you on tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. I know Mike, I've talked about this for a while now, so uh, it's, it's cool to do it. And uh, nice to meet you, Coach. I'm, I'm stoked, man. This is cool. Look, look into it. This is, this is good stuff. So um, I, want, I want Mike to kind of jump in pretty quickly on this. Mike at the top here. Mike St. George, uh, we'll call him MSG tonight. Uh, MSG is going to uh, tell me, Mike, how you guys met because you you live up here in Jamison, and Mike is down in Delaware County. Uh, did you guys go to school together? How did how did that come about? Uh, so I came in to media where Mike was working. Mike was uh, that was your first spot with Excel. Um, and I was over in our Exton clinic, and then uh, they had an opportunity for me to move because I was living I was living in Westchester at the time, uh, and was looking to kind of get into a different clinic, different setting. Um, so I had an opening in media, so I went over there, and uh, Mike was just starting going through there. So um, and then he moved up to assistant clinic director, and we had a pretty cool team there. And uh, yeah, man, it was a fun spot. Awesome, awesome. Mike, I'm going to have you introduce yourself here and then kind of give us a little bit of background. Uh, tell me how you got started. Uh, tell us a little bit about the facility that you have that you're running down there. And because uh, it is kind of very similar to uh, the location that I'm at uh, up at FitLife. And um, you guys have a, a 4,000 square foot facility. But you kind of tell me a little bit about how you got into, you know, uh, your position and then kind of tell us a little bit about your location. Yeah, so uh, I'm a physical therapist, uh, graduated from Widener University, uh, took a job, uh, like Mike had mentioned, Excel Physical Therapy, started in media uh, after about a year, took the assistant role over, and, and Mike had come on board, and it was uh, aces uh, at that office, a ton from Mike and some of the other staff there. Uh, worked my way up through from assistant to clinic director, and uh, had an opportunity to take um, you know, a partner director role uh, with opportunity to move up. Uh, under the Ivy Rehab umbrella. Uh, so they're owned by private equity group. Ivy Rehab is a fast-growing physical therapy company in the country. And, um, and underneath them is a re the region of PTW, the Physical Therapy and Wellness Institute, where I had an opportunity to uh, open up a new office. Uh, Delaware County, the first one in Delco. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, we got 4,000 square feet. Uh, uh, the, the goal was to bridge the gap from essentially what you two do, right? So uh, yeah, Coach Haas is Coach Jordan here, and, and, and we're making a work under roof. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's been great. It's been a great experience getting athletes in and then getting them the transition prior to competing, prior to competition. Uh, we don't only work with athletes. We accept insurance, et cetera. So when I sat down with Jim, uh, I know it's a little bit of a long intro, but I sat down with Jim, my regional director, and he said, well, what do you want? Because we want to invent you. What do you want? I said, I want 4,000 square feet. I want to accept insurances. I want one patient an hour, at most 10 a day. Uh, at sports performance, turf, I want kettlebells. I want dumbbells. I want rogue squat racks. I went off on it. I want it all. I want it all. 
all of it, really, essentially. And uh, he said, um, all right, let's, let's see if the numbers work. What's your payer mix? And I'm like, wait, you're like considering this? Like, this is serious? <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me to go for a walk. Uh, and and he, yeah, we, we did numbers and, uh, and it works. The model works if you run it the right way. And uh, even through COVID, you know, we're, we're, we're busier now than we, than we were before. So it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Now, I mean, so with that, you're saying that you're getting, the model was that you were going to get at least, or just 10 people in, right? So how, how does that, how do those numbers, how does that, how does that work? I mean, now it's just, it's not just you in there. Now you said you have a, a coach like me there. So he's doing stuff too. So now is that the yep. same type of thing? He's, he's seeing about 10 people a day. You're seeing about 10 people a day and each of the coaches and therapists. Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good question. So the model, when I say model, I mean the PT model, you know, Mike St. George is familiar with this and that uh, your average place, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, 15, 20 people a day, uh, patients come through the door in an eight hour day. Um, you know, where Mike's at now, where I was, was at at one point, you know, 10 to 12 tops, no aides, no assistance, nothing else. Here we have aides and our aides aren't high school grads. We're talking like, like personal trainers, certified personal trainers are our aides. We're able to pay them the right amount. And then they do personal training as well. That's our coach. Um, for, you know, in one case, and then our other case, if I trans conditioning coaches, Jordan. Um, so when I say model, I mean, how many patients uh, a physical therapist will see in a day. Jordan does more sports performance than personal training. He does some of that as well, uh, personal training, but sports performance used to be like four to six was the goal, uh, nine to an hour. Uh, and he would have anywhere from four to five sessions a day. And at this point, uh, it's more uh, two to three kids um are coming in and uh, and it could be any mix of clients not always the same ones and he's probably seeing about four five of those uh groups a day now um and and probably has i think two or three clients that he's working with that are athletes you know an hour an hour uh probably two three times a week okay right, cool. so volume may be down a little bit uh for sports performance but more personal training now than ever because gyms are closed and uh, they I, want I to place that they can trust yeah i mean you're seeing a lot more of that i mean it's it was, it was funny because it had gone, you know, it was going such, you know, small group was a, was a large, you know, was a, was a big thing then. And then large group, you know, like try to get as many people in. And then the whole concept of like these, uh, these big gyms out there, you know, a low price point, you know, get as many people in. And I transitioned away from that. I thought, no, no, I'm going to go with the individual attention and I'm okay with that. You know, I'll, I'll figure that those numbers out. But to me, that, that individual attention that the athlete or, you know, the, the active adult is getting um, is, is more important than, than just trying to get them in the door and, you know, run them through these, these programs. It's just, you know, the model's kind of flawed, to be quite honest, you know. What do you think, Coach? Like, is that what you want to do? Like, you know, I'm, I'm flipping the script. Like, what do you want? What's, what, what do you prefer doing? Do you like the big groups with, you know, 12, 15 kids? And there's nothing wrong with the big groups now, covid but like, what do you like to do? What do you so enjoy? I doing? like the teams. And Mike and I just did this a couple of weeks ago where we, we brought them in and we screened the whole team. Then we, we took them through a proper dynamic warm up. We took them through some band work. We took them through the proper, uh, what a jump and, and the landing should look like. And then we just kind of tied it all together at the end. And we talked to them about, you know, the, the risk of these things and why we did this and why the screening and what the purpose was of all this. So to me, 
you know, and I was, I was that guy uh, years ago with the ladders and all that stuff. But to me, this created so much more value. And so to me, if I'm going to work with larger groups, I want to do more of a workshop where it's two or three hours where we can really delve in to, you know, some things and, and really get some true, uh, some true objective, you know, looks at this, you know, instead of just saying, you know, oh, well, listen, they, they can't, they can't, you know, jump. Okay. Well, you know what? No, well, we have, we have proof and these are the things, you know, like maybe there's something wrong with their ankle or, or you know, they're, they're, they're tight in their hips or however it may be. But to me, that type of workshop seems to work better. Otherwise, otherwise you're working with an individual to me. I, I like that. Mike, how about you? So the one thing that I really liked when I first <clears throat> started working at media was Hugh stuck out because of his passion of the attention to detail. You know, he really, really wanted to go the extra mile, wanted to understand the why, wanted to do stuff, wasn't just going through the motions. And we know this in every profession, PT included, you get a lot of PTs that just want to go through the motions or just throwing stuff out, trying everything. Hugh was like a sponge. So that's why I wanted to bring you on here, Q, because we only bring on quality people. And since it's wow. October and it's physical therapy lunch, all right, cheers to quality. All right, cheers. Wow. All right, right wow. there. Bada bang. There we go. Oh, now, for, now listen, listen, Mike, for, for those that don't watch us on YouTube and just listen to us on Anchor and Spotify and Google Play and all them other amazing outlets, Mike is pouring himself a Guinness and cheersing right. you and i'm cheersing with a with a bottle of spring water tomorrow <laughs> i will have something better in your hand when you're down the floor. i will have a, I will have a beer tomorrow absolutely <laughs> yeah so anyway to answer the question um yeah i mean you know excel is a company that tries to provide that opportunity you know we had a lot of competitors um out there and uh you know we you know we don't even really need to you know, say negative things about other companies. Patients would just say it. They would come in and say, I went to X company and this is what happened. I walked in, they said, oh, you have rotator cuff issues, shoulder, here's a packet of exercises, do these, this should cover it. You know, you get this shotgun technique, let me just throw a bunch of shit at you and yeah. see what sticks there, you know? Um, and it's garbage because this is why our, our profession is being hammered with reimbursement rates and this is why we gotta do all these outcome measures and constantly prove our worth as to what we're doing because in the in the past we've had you know previous uh, you know professionals ruin that because you know they say well what's the value of PT you're doing this he's doing that well, how do we know what's really working so now um, you really have to look at you know what you're doing I mean there's a million exercises out there and you know in order to really understand you're making effects you have to have that ability to work one-on-one -on -one with the client and being in an environment where you can see what they're doing because even session four, session five, you know, patients are still doing stuff wrong. I mean, you tell them to squeeze their shoulder blades and they're like shrugging up like this, you know, bringing their shoulders to their ears. Some of them really do not know how to do a simple basic movement. Mm -hmm. And in our society with the technology and the convenience of just all the things that we do, sitting on couches, driving cars, iPads, iPhones, all this stuff, you know, we are, we are uh, getting into these positions and these uh, activities that are, basically working against what our, you know, our human anatomy is meant to function. So we lose these functions and that ties into what we're doing here with kids. These kids want to go in and they want to perform and cue what, I, what I've been telling uh, Joe here, I tell all the kids is 
you know, you get these athletes that you want to play all year round. I ask them that. I'm like, you play soccer all year round? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, you're basically a professional athlete. You're just not getting paid. If you had a couple sponsors giving you stuff, you'd basically be a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do that all year round, you have to be able to take time to maintenance yourself. And the biggest battle we're seeing is, you know, being able to get them in consistently to teach them the things they need to learn, but also getting them to have the time to put into that. It's either soccer, 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 field hockey, field hockey, basketball. Where's the time to step back and work on these these issues that you need to work on? Yeah, that was one of my, one of my favorite things about working with you, Mike, is, is uh, Joe, he would go on these rants. And he next thing you knew, it was like, oh, no. So he's going to say something about a bag of potato chips and Coca-Cola and start ripping people with diabetes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. And I was like, my administrative hat was on. Like, I hope he doesn't send buddy in here. Oh, no. And he didn't care. Like, he would tell them their face. It didn't matter. And that's, I mean, passion, like, that is the, the word that describes, you know, Mike. And uh, and I fed off of that and his attention to detail. And he would learn something on the weekend. And he'd come in the, the next day. And he's like, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to try it. And we're going to test and reach. And we'll do the treatment. And we'll test it and try it again. See if it works. If it doesn't. We'll try it on the next one, but if that's, that's like, it. I'm out. Like I'm moving on, right. and 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 that like made me feel like wow, we can like we can be wrong, and that's okay. We don't have to just sell, sell, sell on what we're doing, and uh and and hope it you know fake it till you make it. But Mike, he didn't, he would have no problem like okay, that didn't work. Let's go. Let's right. do this. And that to me was like humbling. Like whoa, all right. He's been you know he's been around for a little bit at that point, and and now he's got plenty of experience, and he's tearing it up. Where he's like sent. Anyone up up that way, I'm sending over over to Mike. So uh, yeah, he's having your cousin. He's gonna be coming in soon, yeah, man. Yeah, it. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that'll be a fun case for you. But so uh, you know, into what you were saying with PT and the model and reimbursement rates, uh, I'm you know that's in, comes from our conversations. You know, when when we were young PTs, and uh, I remember this happened once early on. I think probably before you're there, Mike. I was at a swamp day. And, and Joe, so this comes in not feeling well, and I'm spending like 40 minutes doing hands-on stuff with them, uh, ART, manipulation, mobilizations, all this stuff. And they, I was got caught up with other patients, and they're like, all right, I'm gonna go see you. And I'm like, oh, how you feeling? And they're like, mm, all right. I was like, oh, no, like that never happens. They don't feel, uh, all right. And then leave, and I got two patients I'm juggling, and I had like nothing I can do. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Like. I'm not going to see this many people in a day. I'll stay here for 13 hours if I have to, right. but I'm not going to see all these patients in eight hours. I'm just not. So, uh, you know, th- that's what's different. And I couldn't, I couldn't, when you talk, when Mike talks about passion and, and doing what's actually caring, that's caring. Someone's not going to leave feeling like, uh, all right. You know, cause you're not going to get the job done. Absolutely. You know what? And at the end of the day, like we're here, you know, to, to help the other person. Right. I mean, Listen, it's, it's nice to get paid to be able to do this, you know, no doubt about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm humbled and blessed that I can do it every day. And, you know, I, I have no problem. Same thing. If I got to stay an extra hour, I'm staying an extra hour because I enjoy my job. You know, I'm like, oh, I got to stay. Another, you know, I'm like, no. Like, plus the fact that, like, you can, re- you know, like you said, you see somebody walking out and, and, and they're not satisfied. That eats at you more than anything. You're like, nah, 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 that, that, that's not going to fly. So, um Kudos to you, um, you know, for, for pushing that, that model and, and understanding that, you know, it, it, we're not going to get them in 50, every 15 minutes and, or every 30 minutes and, and roll them through here, you know, like um, there needs to be some care taken. 
know. Um, and I think that that's honestly that's where some of the PT gets the, some of the bad rap. You know, like I don't want to go there. It's it's you know they don't understand under you know the, the passive part of it. You know, like especially when they're leaving physical therapy and coming to see me, and then I have to explain to them it's supposed to be more intense when you get to me, right? PT is getting you to recognize these things, get the patterns going, and then you're coming to me and we're going to advance that. Just like Mike has said before, you might be doing one set of things here. When you get to see Joe, you're doing two and three, maybe four sets of things. The conditioning, you know, all these other elements are now coming back into, you know, into the, the process. Uh, but understand what PT is actually there for. And I think that that's what happens is, you know, or, or they start to feel better, right? I mean, that's, that's the classic one. You know, you know that they need to be there for six weeks of treatment. Two weeks in, they feel good and you don't see them anymore. <laughs> but what is interesting with the sports performance section, I noticed as it started to, you know, shift a little bit more of my focus onto that is when, you know, when you come out of college and everybody wants to work with the athlete, you know, and I've learned over the years that, first of all, you got to get a lot of experience under your belt there. And any physical therapist that I've, I've met at a continuing ed course or, or uh, listened to who got involved in that usually had a network or maybe they got right into working with professional athletes or a team, um, but they had mentorship and they were there. But it's like a 100% commitment. Some of these guys or girls have to travel with the team. It's a lot. You don't really have much of a life outside of it but you get a lot of experience in a setting kind of like what we're doing. We have our own setting. Athletes come to us. You're not traveling with the team, but you know, there are challenges there too, especially uh, when you listen to a lot of guys that work with the pros, you're going to get these guys that come in that are making all this money. They're a hot shot. They're going to say to you, who are you to tell me what you're doing? You know what I'm doing. Or even if you're, if you're great, they just might not want to listen. And it's hard. You can't take that to heart. Someone's got to be like, you know what, this is what this guy wants to do his agent, him talk, they want to go do this. We've heard surgeons talk from the Rothman Institute dealing with Eagles, Phillies, guys come in and say, hey, we're going to do this. And the surgeon gives them, you know, their recommendation, their prognosis. I don't like that. I want to get on the field two weeks earlier, go see somebody else, even if it's not in their best interest. So you understand that with this population, you're going to get some that don't listen. Joe and I talk about that all the time. We do get, you know, some kids that come in, they don't want to put the effort in, they don't want to commit or the parents don't want to commit them, you know, and then you, you know that they could, they have so much potential, but they just don't want to listen and commit the time and get better. But you see the deficits. But on the other hand, you see the ones that want to do it. And from a PT perspective, you know, a lot of insurance companies don't want to reimburse for this next level stuff. It's like, well, they could get up and off the toilet or off the chair with no knee pain and they're fine. But you know, this kid is 14, 15, 16. Part of what they're doing is, is activity. They want to be involved in high school sports. They want to do this. What's the point of having insurance if you're not going to allow them to get back into the activity, if you're not going to pay for those sessions so they could do stuff to get to that level, you know? So you see a lot of the cash-based stuff. You see a lot of that, and that's the battle we got to do. So, I mean, Q, you know, what are you seeing over where you're doing? What are the battles you're working with that and dealing with this population, you know, in, in the sports performance? Yeah, that's a great question. We see, I have the same issues you're talking about, right? So uh, we accept insurances, the same insurances you accept, Mike. Um, and there are patients who are not at uh, their potential when it comes to ready to, you know, compete or even return to a practice type setting. Uh, and the physician hasn't cleared them to return to practice. So what we do here, which has been uh, fantastic, is 
Welcome to Jordan, and we're, we are working together. Jordan and I are working together with the rest of the staff here. We have four other PTs outside of me, and that's what we're, we're able to communicate with Jordan. This is what's going on. Uh, here are their barriers, limitations. Uh, if it were up to us, heck, we'd be, we would still be seeing them weeks. Done it where I see them week, and they're with Jordan twice a week. So yep. you can do both at the same time. Yep. You can have yep. a transition. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to see, to see them. You know, kid, uh, you know, we got a kid who had a spondy uh, alpha that's one. It's a fracture of the lumbar spine. And uh, it was a parse fracture baseball player. He's over there deadlifting like, you know, 225. And Jordan's big on this. You know, he likes numbered, uh, I think it's like 285 for the deadlift. And, uh, and that's when they're ready. You know, he thinks that they're ready to start hitting the ball. Um, so how does that work though? So what, they'll do a PT session with you and then there's other visits where they yep. come in and they're working with him. So what are they doing? Are they going? That's, so Jordan's cash base. So okay. it's, we're okay. running two separate businesses. Gotcha. Kind of like if you gotcha. put your two businesses together, uh, it's, it's a separate fee to work with Jordan. So I'm still doing, you know, motor control, uh, you know, equation strengthening uh, right. to a certain degree right. uh, on my end of things. And then, you know, may, the next day or two days later, They'll see Jordan. They'll see me on on that, you know, uh, at the end of the week. So, um, or the there were Jordan beginning end of the week and see me in the middle for for a, a recovery session. Right. Uh, you know, if insurance still covered it. So that that is a challenge. The same challenge you see. It's nice that we can be under one roof and work together. Um, but you know, Jordan runs his show. I run mine. And, and but we can meet. I'm not going to tell Jordan what he needs to be doing. You know, we trust each other. Just the same dynamic you two have. It's pretty cool. You know to see like Lemire and see, you know, what you two have put together. So, um, yeah, I would say that's a challenge in terms of communication and sitting and uh, getting the, the, the patients and clients to buy in. And athletes are going to want to do their own parents in this area, at least have their own agenda. We're closer to the main line. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, the parents want to make sure that the kid gets, you know, on the water to row it by this date or they are back to competing and throwing by this date. Uh, and you get orders from physicians that just don't make any sense, pathocytis. Where it's a fracture, you know, the growth plate, and they're still able to throw, uh, and they're 12 years old. There's no rules for Little League going to uh, Babe Ruth. Like, there's no throwing rules for when you go from 12 years old to 13 years old. The field gets bigger. Uh, the, the athletes are getting so there's bigger, no probably. On the on these on these kids? Nope. None. I found that out two weeks. I had, I had no idea. And I'm, I'm like, on top of baseball. I, mechanics are, like, a pitcher – uh, I, I, I put myself up against anybody. I didn't know they had no limitations. And now they have Little League uh, or Babe Ruth and they have these they travel did. teams. I swore that there were limitations. Be within the same team. Like they can't throw again later in the week. But I don't even know. I, someone had told, one of them told me last week that they don't even keep pitch counts. Uh, so from different teams, now there's travel teams. Just there's with basketball, AAU and all that. They have that. In Newtown Square, there's like five teams, five different organizations with their own facility and the whole nine yards. Um, you know, to me, that's a challenge that I have personally with the like ethical things where a kid is throwing 90 pitches in a game. He's 13 years old and they're coming right off of, you know, this whole uh, quarantine thing. So uh, I think the best thing we can do, Mike, to address what you're saying is we got to communicate and I got to give the athletes and the parents options, mm -hmm. right? And we can make it obvious what the best option is, right? And I know Mike used to be a little sarcastic with us. You can do option one and eat chips and, and drink your soda and be a fat slob, or you can do option two. And you so option one doesn't have to be that dramatic, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, but you can do that. 
He's got a better one. one is, um, I got this from a couple guys who run a, uh, a really good podcast in, uh, for the Spartan race. They're two Spartan pros, and they talk about training. And um, it's either, you know, you pay now or you pay later. It's either, you know, you pay the time now to fix your deficits or you put it off and you pay for it later. And yep. a lot of these kids are willing to pay for it later. They want to do this stuff, do this stuff until they break, you know, as opposed to taking the time and doing it now and fixing these things, you know, because we know just because ACLs are common does not mean it's normal. You know, just because diabetes is common does not mean it's normal, but we're accepting these things as part of it. And, and, it's, right. and yep. it's not, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, so that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, like the biggest challenge is trying to, I think, um, educate the parents and the kids. And I think the more you can provide them with that, with the examples, with, you know, the outcome measures, which we'll get into, like, what stuff you're kind of using. But I know the stuff that Joe and I use is, you know, not only do we use, um, you know, you have the battery stuff through functional movement systems. He'll do more of the FMS. I use more of the SFMA, but I also use that motor control screen. And you could clearly see if your ankles are locked up and you could clear it. And you could clearly see if you cannot hit the minimum requirement for a single leg squat. There's no lying. So either the parents watching and understanding it or the parents in the front just on their phones. So you see who's involved in the care and who's not. But I will always go over to the parent and educate them at the end and explain. Mm -hmm. Even if they're up on there on their phone, because sometimes the parent doesn't want to be there because it's that high school age and the high school kids, like, I don't want mom and dad over my shoulder. Sometimes it depends on the relationship. I'll still go over and educate. But as long as they think you're doing that and the parent understands and sees and you're explaining, because we still have some parents that don't understand why you're talking about a hip uh, knee issue and you're saying the ankle is the problem. So we explain it. We show them the movements. And then the best safety net we've been using is that fundamental capacity screen, because which we'll get into asking you about the return to sport play and stuff you're doing, but we have that return to sport play, which is that single leg hop, the triple hop, you know, the crossover hop, and that's all they were getting. But Joe and I have implemented the fundamental capacity screen. We're looking at the broad jump, you know, the triple broad jump, all those moves, because it's like a safety net where it's starting to catch some other things because we're finding that the kids are compensating through that return to sport play. They're using momentum or other stuff to complete it. So on paper, it looks like they're good, but the quality of the movement to get there was really trash, you know? Uh, that's great stuff, man. I amen uh, to all of it. You're doing it right. It takes time to do that, Mike. Like that's the that's the tough part. It yeah. takes time to do that. Um, yeah, so that's what we're, you guys we're doing, doing there the in terms yeah. of uh, you know objective measures, tests. Like you know, a kid comes in for an email yeah. with it's ACL and stuff. Like what things are you doing? You know, like and you know, going from there. Yeah, so we're doing FMS on on all athletes that are coming in for all of our clients. Um, Outside of that, uh, with return up, we're doing the same thing. So we're doing the triple hop test, triple, you know, the, the line jump, the triple jump test side to side. Uh, we add FMS into that. So a lot of the Rothman uh, protocol, right, that, that uh, Peter DeLuca uh, helped put together. And then uh, in addition to that, we're doing the capacity screening as well. So, uh, t you know, that's something I implemented probably about like three months ago uh, and, you know, went through the online course and like literally, I think I went through it like eight times before I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to like, let's yeah. implement this. That's right. Um, yeah. and, it, and I mean, you're right. Cause you, you know, you can go through all those tests and it's 90%, you know, of, of the opposite limb and it's considered to be normal. Then you go through the broad jump and you see like they're, they're distributing their weight completely differently or um, you know, so it's sirens go off on all those things. However, again, we deal with these different, you know, agendas. It sounds great on paper, but parents are like, well, listen, 
you know, Tommy passed these other tests. Uh, you know, I don't see why that's important. But if you did that rapport and that trust that you talked about earlier, Mike, you know, and talking to the parents, letting them know what's going on, um, educating them, that's how you develop trust. And when you develop that, they're going to buy into what you're saying because Tommy South is dependent on it. So you're not just making tests up. These are legitimate tests, and you're explaining what they mean and, and, uh, and how that's going to keep Tommy safe. So, um, you know, in, in the end, that's the difference. So we're, we're doing those. Those are probably the two biggest ones that we're doing. We're not implementing screening the most part. Um, and we're doing the SFMA. I'm not doing it as much. I'm not inserted in it, but I picked up some things from Jerva. You know, to clear, I always try and clear the ankle, the hip, and then in the thoracic spine, because that's where the, the reasons of hypomobility are yep. um, from my perspective. Uh, so, so if we can look at, if I can identify soft tissue restrictions in the other joints, you know, the, um, the, the, the so that would be like the knee, the lumbar spine, the cervical spine, you know, then that hypermobility is an instability is. So uh, if we can identify stability in those segments in different planes, then I, you know, I got the puzzle uh, to put the piece together. So, uh, and then we got Joe Bertucci on board, uh, who, who used to work uh, over over on your side at the mic, and uh, he started in SFMA. So, kind of get that fire lit up again and uh, and getting into it. So, I would go through SFMA, um, but then, I, you know, I said, let's just do the capacity screen. I feel like I'm getting more out of that. Uh, so, uh, we but actually I do had want, a couple. I want to go back into it. We actually had a couple uh, of females, actually, because it was they were the ones that were coming through, uh, where they were passing the the triple hop test, but Mike was catching them with the FCS. So these kids were coming back to me, and the parents were saying, "Okay, well, I'm confused. Did they pass or did they not?" And I said, "Well, yeah, they passed the part that they needed to." But this other safety piece here is basically saying you still have red flags. There are still high risks and high potential of you to either re-injure or, or do the other leg, you know. So um, I, I love the fact that that's there. And then we've talked to some of the, uh, the surgeons we've had on, and they talked about um, how they have different protocols. But I, I, I've, to me, I think that that – FCS, the triple hop, you know, and I mean, what else would you really need to add into that? Some force plate stuff? I mean, what, what else? I mean, there's some research behind vert and angles of valgus and land with landing and, um, you know, the internal rotation for throwers. Uh, but uh, I mean, I think some of those things like I'll, I'll look at, but I'm not using that as a clearance test. A clearance test, like, you know, Mike's talking about, that's black and white. Uh, you know, yes, you passed, you passed their test. You're right. So, you know, what, what I would say if I'm you is yes, if you want to go have them play, you can, but not every per every person that passed that test, uh, a lot of people have passed have gotten hurt too. So this, this is like a legitimate additional criteria that you're in through working in our network. And this is what we found. So take it for what it's here is my recommendation. Yep. Uh, and it's, you know, to go through some more, more training to make sure we, you know, we dot our I's and cross our T's. So the way yeah. I've explained it is I actually, I don't use the app. I actually do the paper version and I show them the math because yeah. the app doesn't show them how they get this. So it takes me a little bit more time to do it. Once you get the practice, you'll calculate it. And they see all these numbers and they're like, what the hell is this? So I'm trying to explain and, and then I made a cheat sheet where I went through the book and it shows them like what all the numbers should be. Like, you know, your elastic jump should be this, this should be this, and what it's telling you. So I try to explain to them, 
it's not really a pass or fail. The only fail would be is if you couldn't complete the movement and, or if you had pain, you know, um, or sometimes the movement doesn't look good, but they promote, if you could cue them and they could correct it, then that's good. Can they correct that and become more aware of it? That's good. But sometimes like if they can't meet the minimum of the broad jump to clear the, their height, it's not a fail. It's just saying you're leaving stuff on the table for producing power, yep. but your, but your mechanics look really good. So you didn't fail. It's just saying now you're ready to go to somebody like Joe or Jordan, and they're going to do jump training with you and teach you. Now that you have good ankle mobility, go, everything's clear for mobility. Your squat looks good. We added weight to the squat. You look good under stress. Now we got to add the plyometric because that was the whole point of the FCS. That's what Greg Cook was saying. He's like, we get athletes that move well, they're stable, but you put more demand on them and load and they buckle under that pressure, you know, because someone could squat, then you put weight on their back and they look like trash, you know? So that's where it starts to come in because then we're saying, well, how are these kids getting hurt? They look good. So that's why Greg Cook was saying, you can't just do FMS. You can't just do this. It's got to be this battery of systems and it gives us a picture of the athlete. So that's why I kind of explained to the, to the patient that this gives us an understanding of where you are it helps us direct your training because how many, we get it all the time. How many like yeah. take like the high school, high school dudes, they go into the gym, they want to do bicep curls. Dude, you're a soccer player. No one cares how big your arms are. I mean, you gotta be it's your warm up. <laughs> yeah, it's the warm up. So if we have limited time, we have a half hour, either before or after games or on the weekend, let's go in and let's work the movements that you need to do. And based on the FCS, we saw you have these deficits. So now we're going to work on doing, some split stance stuff, some single leg stuff. We're going to work on the squats. We're going to work on this movement. This is going to help translate to these areas. Or we noticed in the FCS, you know, you're better on your left leg than your right leg. Now we got to train some stuff here. So it gives them a little more direction on what to do. And I think when they have that direction, they're going to be more motivated. Then I'm just going to go into the gym and coach is like, all right, lift for 30 minutes, walk around with the clipboard. And they're like, all right, whatever, you know? Yeah, this is, this is good stuff, Mike. I agree with you more. I think, you know, the, the, what is unique is that you have an algorithm to identify. We have an algorithm to identify and address motor stability deficits. Here's the difference from the FMS to what you're doing now and I are doing now is that it, how, how do you measure explosiveness and power and how are you assessing that? Athletes, you know, forget the soccer player that's doing bicep curls. Let's talk about like the soccer player who's going division one, who's been playing soccer all year round and they're for good at compensating. They're really, yes, they've had aches and pains, of course. They've been playing a ton of games, right? And they've been, they've been running a ton on their own over, over, you know, the whole COVID thing. So they've developed these, these compensation techniques. How do we tease through the layers and identify the deficits? And you don't do, the new PT doesn't just pick that right up. You got to put your, and you got to go through your coursework. You got to study this. You don't just pick that up, say, I lifted in high school and I, was, I could do this. It's very different, and uh, he, to, to have the eye to spot those things and to videotape and analyze, and now you got to convince that parent that it's actually the ankle that's the problem, not the knee. Uh, Bingo. That's not, that's not you do. So I use my camera. That's another. I want to talk to you guys about that at some point. You're running the show, but I use my, like, camera all the time on my phone or my iPad. I share it on my, you know, I drop it on my iPad, and I'm like, this is, this is the problem right here. You know, there's no control of the pronation yep. or, or, or they have too much of a lift and now they're stuck. Now they're, they're stuck in inversion. So now of course, of course they're, you know, they don't have any knee control because they, they don't go into pronation, put them in barefoot and they get too much valgus. That's where we got to focus on. I can say that probably, and I, and I'll have to go back. I'm going to have to start 
putting these numbers together. But I would say if we're just talking operative right knee for ACL, I'm seeing at least, at least 70 to 80% of those have some kind of issue in the ankle. And to even go one step further, the ankle of the opposite knee that was injured. Yeah, we're Believe seeing it. a lot of that. We're finding yes. that the other leg is has deficits. Right now I have uh, a, a female athlete who has right ACL, and when we're doing isolated hamstring stuff and even um, closed chain, like step-up stuff, the left side is showing deficits. But obviously the right side is weaker from the surgery, but um, you see that the left side has there, and the right, she kicks with her left. So the right leg became this is a stance leg. She's mm -hmm. pivoting and twisting on it all the time. She's kicking with the left. So you're seeing that asymmetry happens with throwing athletes. If you're a baseman, you're always throwing the one side, get the asymmetries there. So, but they're not, there's no way that they're going to pick up on it because all they're doing is soccer drills. They're never doing anything that's exposing these. So, you know, some of the stuff that Joe does, he has his ACL prevention program he talks about, a reduction program, better term, is we're going to go through these movements and we did that with uh, the team. It was actually um, it was actually Cam's daughter, her uh, her nine to ten youth team. She brought in, and uh, you know the parents were there, and some of the parents commented to her that, "Wow, I I see where they had all the girls running and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. My daughter's not looking good here. It doesn't look like the other ones, things like that. But now they actually are looking at that. It sticks out, you know, as opposed to just the soccer and all this other stuff, you know." Um, so, I mean, are you guys doing any of that type of stuff, you know, in terms of, like, those movement-type things also? Like, maybe a program that you're giving them to do, like, implement. We're going to do this as a warm-up to practice those movement patterns. Yeah, Jordan could dive into this more uh, on my podcast. Uh, Jordan, uh, like, went through how he grams, essentially. And uh, Jordan doesn't train, uh, like, to sports-specific components. He trains people to move better. Yep. Um, and I actually admire, like we, we had a goalie in here the other day. He's like, well, is he going to be working on his lateral movement a lot with you? He's like, he's going to be jumping. He's going to be squatting. He's going to be, he's going to be throwing. Um, you know, he has his jump throw sprint thing that he does in the beginning of all of the sessions. And I love it. Like it's, it's cause everyone doing it, like to move better. Uh, you, you have to do it all. You have to do it. And you have to do all of it. And so the difference becomes, uh, the kid's on the ice enough. He does enough lateral movement. So mm -hmm. he doesn't need to do that in here. We need to get Fill him in the buckets, so we... right? I mean, does that bucket need to be filled? No, he's doing that already, right? You know, Coach it, terminology. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, and that's what, that's, yeah. So we're doing that. And I like to do, like, I'm real big. Um, I took the TI Tedlow's Performance Institute, and that's all rotation uh, for, for golfing. So uh, with that, I think there's such a thing as functionally stiff that took away that. So a soccer player, like you described, who pivots on that right leg and kicks with the left, um, would they be more functionally stiff on the right leg? Uh, maybe they have to be ambidextrous on the soccer field. So that's a little But a pitcher, a baseball player, a lacrosse player, kind of the same. They got to be ambidextrous. Uh, you're going to see that the left leg on like a righty is going to be functionally. It's okay if you know, they're lacking some degree of sternal rotation uh, on that on that lead leg or if their hip flex a little tight on that lead leg. Um, it doesn't – I don't think it needs to be completely symmetrical. In fact, it may not be safe uh, for them to be completely symmetrical on that side. Uh, so do you take it with a grain of salt? Yeah, what's the threshold on normal and not normal? I, I don't know. I think we got to watch other things and see if the patterns 
are piling up, and now we now we have to point something out because that knee's going in the back. That's not normal, right? I don't care if you, that you're, it's a you know asymmetrical sport or not. So um, I really like the over. So I like the overhead uh, squat. I'm big on that one in terms of movement. I think every single athlete that walks in, in the door should be doing the uh, the, the overhead squat and um, I, I'm big on calf flexibility lately. I look at everyone's calf flexibility. I do it in, uh, in kneeling, uh, just because the foot and ankle is the foundation of all of everything. We've spoken about this already. Uh, I'm seeing the same thing in the ACLs that we see and other injuries. You know, low back pain. It's a huge one. And you look at the wear on their shoes, and it's all lateral. Yep. You know, yep. or 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 that that angle that goes from the outside of the the heel to the big toe is much more severe. Uh, so, uh, you know, those are a couple of things I'm seeing. I've been doing the lunge matrix a lot. I love doing a lateral lunge, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, a reverse lunge and, um, and then a forward lunge and then coming back into like a sprinter's position. Mm -hmm. Let's and holding, just, so show, showing holding at the top of that position, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Let's see what that glute medius can do, you know, at, in different positions. What's the explosiveness? Is that knee helping yep. to bend as you're stepping away? Uh, and when you push back, how much power are you actually getting out of it? So I, I, um, I think you can see some different things there, and that would guide me to look at other stuff. But I do that typically with uh, at the initial evaluation. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll take a look at that if it's if it's lower extremity or even or even if it's low back. Um, I, I'll probably run them through the those those tests for sure every time. So, uh, how, how much, uh, ACL are you seeing? Cause, uh, I mean, it's like predominantly a lot of the stuff that, you know, Joe and I are seeing, I mean, especially with the females. Yeah. I'd say it's 80% of my clientele right now is ACL. It, yeah. It's like every weekend, another one is going down. Um, and it'll vary. I mean, thankfully the one I have right now, um, is strict ACL. You know, I haven't seen anyone too, too bad, like a really like bad triple, you know, the triad, or anything like really, really gnarly. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Joe. Have you ever really seen that where there's been just like really like a destroyed knee? I don't know. Maybe I, that might have a little bit more football and more. You yeah, know. I have not had one that had the triad yet. No, yeah. I've had a few that have you know obviously with the with the meniscus and and the ACL. Um, which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I've had a PCL. Yeah. Now. So I have two PTs here on the, on the podcast. Why more the anterior than the posterior is the one that's getting damaged? You, you want this one or you, you want me to take this one, Mike? Well, you're, you're, you're the guest on the show, Q. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put you I'll on the spot first. That's fine. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, old school PT and not, we'll, we can shut this down uh, quick is, uh, you know, quad versus hamstring. And in my opinion, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with tightness of and weakness of the external rotators and hip abductors that cause valgus of the knee, right? So uh, because uh, an ACL, so because we move forward, not backwards, mm. we're going to get the ACL more than the PCL. So what happens is that that, uh, that femur will translate forward if the tibia can't control the rotation or the foot even, then you're going to get a you're going to get a sort of translation of, of the femur that's not controlled because you're moving forward, Got right? It. And you're cutting. It could be it could be internal rotation, which is more common, which is not a lack of control by the external rotators of the hip, uh, or it could or or the ankle, right? It could be the ankle. Maybe it's not controlling pronation well enough. Mm -hmm. So when it's a pronation, your, your VMO gets a little more activated. You internally rotate the tibia, and the femurs internally rotate. 
the tibias aren't being controlled into internal rotation and it's happening way too fast or not happening at all, then Beamer's going to keep going. I don't care how much control you yeah, have of your glute. You follow me? Because yeah. we, and they, to answer the question directly, it's because we play sports where we run forward, not backwards. That's why it happens. Typically, PCL, in my experience, the ones I've seen are more trauma-related. Okay, that was uh, my next where, question. Yeah, yeah you where, see where that there's more. like sock a lot because, um, like, it's, you know, someone's running and it's a, it's a stop. And, and uh, you know, some, you know uh, one of the, the parts of the body will translate posterior on the other. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Um, okay. But, yeah, that's, in my that's what I've seen. So the foot and the hip are huge components of, of what's going on with the ACL. Is that – what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I don't think we see that uh, in, you know, uh, most like gnarly knee injuries with some of those field sports just because a lot of them are more that non-contact. And I think there's only so much damage the individual can do to their self. Whereas like football, when there's someone coming at you, that knee could get destroyed where it's like blown up or you get stuff like there's arterial damage and cartilage damage, you know. But with this, it's some of the girls literally running it and it just goes on them, you know, because they're just not that, that, that stable. But I think with the, yeah, the ACL is with that rotational component, you know, that they can't control, you know, that valgus, that torsion. Sometimes it's not even the valgus class. What I see is like the torsion. You see the twisting of the femur. Um, then they start getting like patella tendon issues too, you know, because there's not, not stable there. Um, and I think the PCL is probably if they get caught, like if they go to kick and it gets caught and they get hit. And like you said, one goes for like hyperextend the knee, things like that. Mm. Um, so I think it might just have to do with the specificity of the sport and the amount of that type of contact and then the, the time of the contact, you know, where it happens. You see more contact or non-contact ACL injury. Well, actually, let me take that back. Let's start. How much are you seeing down there? Do you see a lot of ACLs coming through there? Yeah, I would say uh, of our patient population, probably at 60% are athletes under the age of 22, 23. Um, so uh, within that population, I would say about 10, 15% are ACLs. Okay. Um, I'll take, I'll take some of the ACLs. Uh, Nick Barbie, one of our PTs takes a, uh, you know, a lot of the ACLs. Uh, so between him and I, and I have Joe Bertucci will take some as well. Between the three of us, uh, we'll handle the ACLs. I would say Nick handles the majority of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how much we're seeing now. I think we opened a, about a year ago now. Um, so we're starting it out and then COVID hit. Yep. And so we're not seeing as many ACLs now. Um, it's actually interesting, I should say that. Over the last uh, three weeks, I think we've gotten like four of them, uh, which is a lot. For what it's worth, how you guys have seen too? Yeah, so, so yeah. to your point there, and then this is what I said, was it had been slow. And obviously with the COVID, um, you know, and then surgeons are starting to go back to surgery. So I guess it was like late June, July, but that's typically when they go on vacation, right? So you're not seeing anything really in August and nobody was really playing. Now things have amped up. I've gotten, uh, let's see, in the last three days, I've gotten uh, a, pos a possible torn meniscus, uh, an ACL tear, a broken femur, um, uh, and there were two other ones, uh, an ankle, uh, uh, a grade two ankle sprain um, and a hamstring, which I thought that was my prediction coming into the spring that we would see more soft tissue hamstring stuff. And we, we quite frankly, to this point, we haven't. I thought that you would see that early on because the coaches would try to ramp the kids back up too soon. 
But, you know, thank goodness we haven't seen that. But, yeah, I mean, to your point going back, it's, it's crazy because over the last – just the last few weeks is now all of a sudden the ACLs are starting to come back, you know. And, and it's because now they've, they've put some mileage on their bodies. There's no strength training going on. There's, I mean, they're not – all right, maybe one of the – one of ten teams is, is maybe getting in some strength training or an individual on a team is, is continuing to do that. But for the most part, they're not doing that stuff. Yeah, I think in the next uh, – when, when does the sleep change? It changes, uh, what, two weeks, I think, from two now? Two weeks, yeah. Uh, you wait. I, sleep, stress, uh, virtual uh, funnels. Uh, unfortunately, uh, like both of you predicted, uh, I, think, uh, I think December is going to be a nasty time for, for injuries because uh, I don't – unless the sports shut down, who knows, uh, with the second wave stuff going on, uh, I think it's it's going to get worse. And who knows? Maybe some of these ACLs that you know we're seeing that come in or these ankle strains, maybe there were soft tissue injuries before uh, that they just kind of say, "I'm I've been on I've been on the bench the last six months, and now I'm going to sit out because of a quad strain or yeah. a, a hamstring." So you know, I know they just came in this week, but I'm sure as the layers come off few weeks you, you know you'll find you'll find out that there were probably some issues going on uh with some of them but uh yeah yeah I, i'm with you it'll be interesting the next the next few the next month or so to see what happens uh, and i hope for the best i hate to hate, you know but it's reality so q over there um when you guys are treating acls do you guys treat very kind of similarly not in the sense that you guys do specifically the same exercises but on kind of the same philosophy you know, um, we're always constantly like revisiting and looking at like what we're doing where our patients, you know, now there's obviously more stuff coming out, pushing open kinetic chain quad strengthening for the ACO. There used to be a big fear that you would tear it, but I always do the take home messages that mean that everybody needs to be doing along our quads. Well, sometimes you might get someone in who has a really, really weak quad and they can't even do a straight leg raise. You're going to have them do leg extensions. Probably not at that point, but you get so many people come in and, and, and they're really good, good quad activation, good leg raise. You can stand on one leg. It looks good. You're already doing some like maybe introducing mini squat stuff or getting them in half knee and they look stable. Yeah. They could probably, and they have no pain when they extend the leg. Yeah. I'd probably start giving some isolated quad strengthening, um, you know, but if they don't have any control of that or they're doing a leg extension and you're starting to see the femur rotate inwards, probably some weakness there, correcting that, you know, but um, I know what I'm going through sometimes, I might seem to give a lot to the athletes, but, you know, before they could do some of the advanced stuff, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, there's core stuff, there's hip stuff, there's hamstring stuff. So I give them a lot of things to do on the table. So all these muscles and all these sensory feedback systems are ready. So they learn how to feel for it. Like some of them don't even know how to control their pelvis, especially the females in a very anterior pelvic tilt position, hyperlordotic, you know, weak core. So we correct down the table, correct it in like quadruped, prone, whatever. Then when we come into standing or half kneel or tall kneel, they understand it's like a translate into functional movements. Um, but like the, the build up to that, as I explained to them, I might be giving you a lot of stuff. But right now I'm trying to give you a lot of things to work on. But a lot of these basic things are going to get nixed out because we're going to start focusing on more advanced. I mean, how are you doing it with your kids? You keep it more basic, you know, more, you give them a lot of stuff. How are you doing it? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy we're talking about this stuff because this is the difference between a mediocre PT and a great PT, and and this is what you know what what attracts you know St. George and myself you know to one another. You know, we can talk shop for hours. I think it starts with a history. 
I got to find out why that ACL tore in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll look at the, I'll look at the opposite limb depending on the sport, right? Is it a sport where you would uh, asymmetry to an extent? If not, if it's a field sport, which is more likely with ACLs, I'm looking at the other limb. Uh, I love the ones that I hate to say this, but like they got hurt, they got surgery, they're in the next week, and and there wasn't three months in between where they could develop compensatory mechanisms of the lateral or the non-injured limb, mm. right? So the non-injured limb, I'm going to look, I'm looking there, uh, especially if it's a field sport, what's that, uh, you know, what's that, that TF, how tight is that? How tight is the psoas? What's the hamstring? Because what you see on one side, you're going to see on the other. If they're, you know, uh, some of the, the teenage girls you're talking about, some of those athletes, you know, they're, they're just hyper mobile. Right? So I'm, my focus is going to be stability with those athletes i'm not going to focus on oh let's have knee range of motion and harp on that yes we need to get terminal extension we need to get the quad right um you know we need need to get that activation whether we're using mmes or blood flow restriction we use that and like that's unique nice. uh, I, I think to what we use here and the research supports it so how we do it uh maybe five years from now the research will say it's crap i've seen results with it where are you um, in the blood flow restrictions i do get questions on that and i haven't yeah. Use it for any of my athletes, but I know some of the students that come and ask about it. But I mean, I'm like, look, I really don't think you're going to do that with some of the geriatric patients. I, I just know they're not going to tolerate that. It is uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah. I would be curious in trying it with some of the athletes. So where, where are you finding where, yeah, you know what, this would be a great case to do that with? When they can't, when they're not able to tolerate a heavy load. It, it, people, uh, I, it's very simple. Principle is that blood flow, restricting blood flow. Uh, is going to not is not going to allow the muscle to completely cover, and therefore the purpose of it is to to load muscle, uh, you know areas of uh, whether it's plantar flexors or quads or what hamstrings, and it can be complex movements where they cannot tolerate a heavy load. That's the purpose, right? So you do you do 20 to 30 reps of an exercise. That's really freaking light, you know, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, and, and that's the key. And it's got to be, it can be structured. If you're not doing it structured and you're not keeping a clock on it, so you'll win a time. Like later in the rehab, right? So not necessarily. I would do this with an ACL at, at three weeks, four weeks, oh, depending well, on what it is. With one exercise, yeah. so. Yeah, so, so a, a straight leg raise. If they're able to terminal extension and they're doing a straight leg raise, I can put it, I can put in, you know, a, a one-pound weight on there. They could probably do a five- or six-pound weight. And so when you're talking about the extra shearing forces on the knee during terminal extension or, you know, doing a long arc and the shearing forces that happen at the knee there, we're not going to, to, to terminal extension. We're doing an isometric. We're putting a tight, one of those tight bands around the table. Uh, we don't have them to shear. And I'll, I want them to kick to about like 70 degrees and hold it there and hold there for five seconds and come back slow and then kick it out again to about 60 to 70 degrees. Hold there for five seconds, come back slow. So, and they're going to fatigue quicker that way without me having to, you know, load them, load them up. So I think it's most beneficial uh, a little bit later, like you're saying, Mike, so they can do, you know, a, you know, a deadlift or uh, whatever other exercise, you know, I'm really big on like suitcase uh, kettlebell deadlifts lately. I just feel like that loads of glute medius. You can stack yep. plates up on the side. So they don't have to go too low. And anterior squats. I mean, Mike Boyle will preach that all the time. He yep. just finds yep. it more relative towards teaching the squat mechanics. He doesn't really use a lot of back squats. I know back squats like a right. big boy movement, but even there's more talk. I mean, even on, you know, one of our favorite podcasts, here we go again, Trump Collective. Nice. You got Travis Mash, yep. who's the, 
U.S. you know powerlifting coach talking about how you know they really love the front squat, the front loading, you know, and they were talking about accommodating resistance with bands. So we just got some of those CLX bands that Kevin yep. looked like to use. Yeah, with the loops. There's multiple loops in them. Yeah, they're yeah, great. So I, I'm, I'm going to start implementing those in. Okay, so we did some goblet squats with heavier weight. We're doing sets of 15. You got real heavy. You're looking good. Now let's add the resistance and see can you maintain the form, you know, throughout the entire, the entire movement, you know. Um, instead of maybe adding excessive load, you could add that type of resistance, like you're saying, you know, increasing the load that way where they got to – work it through the range and they can't try to hinge or compensate through it because the band is keeping them accountable to move through the resistance. Yeah. I, I think to, to address what you said in the very, you know, your initial question is the key is that yes, we're doing a couple of things that are different, but you have to address the deficit yeah. based on the history and what the opposite limb, how that opposite limb presents, assuming it's a symmetrical sport, right? So if their quads are already loaded on that opposite side, I know I'm not going to spend a ton, a ton of time on the quad. Right. Like if that quad is completely like, like it's a strong quad on, you know, the right leg and the left AC, I got the left ACL. Well then I got it probably from the hamstring and the glute. What's going on on the other side. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting similar pattern to this side. I can't expect a completely different leg. You know, when that, when that quad comes back, it's going to come back like that. So I can focus on some of the other things and not go through the cookie cutter. Okay. Let's do heel raises. Let's do tandem stance. Let's do standing knee bends or hamstring curls. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, in that, like, three weeks post-op, some of that stuff is good neuromuscular education, but it's also Without showing a doubt. you can do a tandem stance where they're standing with their back arched or they're standing with a neutral pelvis, and then you could mm -hmm. also do, like, anti-rotation presses. You could do perturbation, you know, stuff like that. And you could do a lot of single-leg work before they could – maybe they have a meniscus going on and they can't get into yeah, deep squats yet, but you can do a lot of single-leg stability stuff, like a lot of safe things before they get into it. But – you know, how much emphasis do you put on, like, open kinetic chain versus, like, closed kinetic chain? Like, will you do a lot of the open kinetic chain, like, isolated hamstring stuff? Or will you implement it into more functional stuff? Like, um, maybe it's, you know, glued hand drops or it's, you know, stuff with the ball or it's, like, RDLs, things like that. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think something um, – okay, so I go back to function. Uh, yeah, open chain is not functional. I, I get it. But like when you kick a soccer ball, that's pretty functional, right? So how do those muscles need to coordinate? So in open chain, what muscles coordinate the most, right? Your internal rotors and your, in your, your hip flexors and your knee extensors, right? So your quads, your hip flexors and your internal rotators, which are usually adductors too. So that, in my opinion, those are going to work. For the upper extremity, uh, external rotators, um, yes, you can do serratus, push-up plus, and all that stuff. But external rotators, I'm doing it. I'm doing a lot of that in open chain. Um, yes, you can do the bands on the wall. I guess it's tech open chain. But I think closed chain will be for the opposite muscles. Posterior chain, external rotators, because they function more, uh, in my opinion, uh, in, in those functional positions. So utilizing it a lot, yeah, maybe here and there. Um, you know, to me, it's about going through the algorithm that you talked about. You know, from going the supine to sideline, prone, kneeling, tall kneeling, uh, quadruped, going through an algorithm of, okay, these are functional moves. Can they roll? Can they, can they even roll? Like, right, right. You know, so, can they so breathe? Let's can go, they breathe? Let's go, right. Let's go back, right? I mean, but that's, exactly. that is probably such a, you know, that's an eye opener. Uh, Mike and I have been talking about that. 
again, the majority of, of uh, athletes I'm seeing are female high school soccer players who are shoulders rounded and they're tall. Like I'm dealing with girls that are probably anywhere between five, seven and five, nine. Everyone just seems to be tall, you know, but they're, they're long and they're lean and they're rounded shoulders and they're breathing from their chest. Right. You know, like it's none of this. And it, you know, we got to, it's constantly trying to teach them opening up that, you know, the, the chest cavity and getting that posterior chain going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the struggle's there. I did have a question, though, as far as when, when do they transition from you to Jordan? When, is, when does that happen? Around yeah, what week? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it, it depends on, you know, if there's meniscus involved or not. Uh, I, I think that's tough to say. You know, I think every ACL is a little different. Um, sure. I think some, a lot of similar in a lot of ways. Um, probably somewhere between, like, three to four months. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I, Ben is uh, a nerd when it comes to form. He will study you. He's never looking at a phone or a screen. Or I mean, he's his focus is uh, second to none. I admire it. And uh, even if I try and get his attention, he'll be like, one second, <laughs> one second. And he'll just like stare wherever he's at. I mean, he's into it. And I love it. And that's what, that's why I feel comfortable doing it at that stage. Yep. And, and yep. you know, you guys know this months is that's when the ACL is the most fragile, uh, you know, between three and four months in my experience, because that's start to feel good. They're doing more, yep. or, you know? Yep. So, so uh, I, I would have said with a lot of other coaches, I'd be hesitant three to four months. Let's get the five. And then, you know, dish it all. But, um, you know, the, the way we're able to provide the appropriate attention in this office. Um, and everything's under one roof. So it makes it easy. And everything's under one roof. So if I see something, you know, which never, Jordan catches it before I do, right. he'll bring me over and be like, hey, right. what do you right. think I of think this? I think you need to see this. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. take a peek at this. And I'm like, all right, well, try this. Um, and vice versa. So what, do you do get, what do you do if you have maybe um, a patient that has one of those insurances? Like, sometimes I'll get. So you know you got to do a lot of stuff. Like, will you eventually have them? They're really good. Maybe hold or just do once a week or something until we can get to that next phase where we could do stuff. Re re-ask that question. You froze a little bit. So okay, I was gonna say you, know, you get a patient uh, and the insurance uh, numbers are limited. Maybe they only got like twenty visits. You know they're gonna probably need a, a lot more than ACL. So you're doing all the beginning stuff. You're getting them looking good. Then they get to that transition point where it's like they're not ready to go and test up to go to running or higher level plyometric, but all their foundational stuff is doing. Will you have them in like a holding pattern um, and then bring them back in, having them work stuff at home or checking in or maybe like a once a week thing, and then bring them back in so you go into the next stage? I mean, how do you do that? Because you hate to eat up visits doing stuff that like, hey, you're really good with this. We actually really don't need to be doing skill care because you're that advanced. You know, we just need you to keep working this and stay patient. And then once things are, are at a healing point and we can start progressing, we'll go to the next phase. How do you handle that? Yeah, but then I utilize the sports performance that we have. You can call it for whatever you want. They're going to pay to work Jordan uh, out of pocket two to times a week. And honestly, it's probably, it probably costs less than their copay uh, to, yeah. to do that more often than not. Yeah. And uh, will, will they get our attention? Sure. We'll peek over and, and assure the parent that what's going on and, uh, you know, we're able to help them a lot. Are we going to be breathing on top of them? We maybe normally would at, at you know, three, four weeks out, probably not. But maybe they come in once a week. Maybe they come in once every two weeks uh, for PT service. Mm. But they're coming in two to three times a week with Jordan. 
Um, and so we're that out for, for 12 weeks if we can. That um, might be and, something that also, Joe, that, you know, uh, if you have a, a, an individual that's doing really well, you know, um, and I'm saying, hey, Joe, you know, they're good, but they're not ready for this next phase. Maybe you might have to work with them once or twice a week or something, just doing, keeping them good, keeping them on yeah. top of this. Yeah. And then when we get to that next phase, they would come back in and we're going to advance some more things and then, you know, go from there. But that, that, that's a great, that's pretty cool. You have that option to do that. Do you know how many sessions prior to, like, someone comes in and you see their insurance? Like, okay, yeah, this person. Yeah. Oh, okay, so then you can kind of map that out. And then that's where Jordan or, like, I would come into play and you go, okay, listen, like you just said, maybe you're going to me for, or, or you're going to Mike for two weeks uh, and to spread out those PT sessions. Now we're going to have you pay some cash in between there. Go to Joe, go to Jordan work on some of these advanced things, then kind of come back and then we're going to recheck you here and then, okay, you've progressed and kind of work it that way. So now you're taking them 36 sessions. Now they're not going to be three months. That might be able to take them over like maybe four, five, six months. Yeah. And honestly, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's fun. Uh, and just like you, when we, you and I work together, Mike, you know, you would call me over like, Hey, let me show you this cue. Look, look at the knee when he does it. Look at the foot. Do you think of this? Or do you see the hip when they do this movement or what have you? And, uh, and, and I do that with Jordan all the time. Like, take a look at this. Show you something. Or ask him what he thinks about something. So yeah. we're on the same wave. We think the same way, just like you two do. But we're, it's happening eight hours, 12 hours a day because we're constantly around each other. So we nerd out every day in here over certain, over That's different awesome. things. And, and to me, it's like, we, like, we think the same way. Like, I'll look over and be like, I already know what you're thinking. I saw the same thing. It's like, all right, right. you know, right. Right. Well, you know, right. we're here. Right? Yeah. You, you know, that kind of sums this up when we're talking about visits, money, you know, from, you know, the parents look at this and say, look at all this money that I do have to pay for my daughter and my son to do this, whether it's rotator cuff, ACL, and that's part of the education. These rehabs, these surgeries, they're expensive. And it happens so easily. And it's if you, if you would just step back and just do the work that's required, you could save yourself a lot of time. If we could catch these things in screenings, what is taking 30 minutes out to do workouts? I mean, shit, the majority of workouts I do for competing are 30 minutes. Right? I mean, I do shorter course stuff, but all the shit I accomplish in 30 minutes and my heart rate's through the roof, it's a different training, but even then you can still do a lot of stability work. If you're actually consistent and moving and you have a, a, a list 30 minutes, a lot of people go to the gym and they bullshit around. That's why they're there for two hours and they accomplish nothing. Yeah. You know, if you could do, even if it's twice a week, all right, 30 minutes, I'm gonna take a break, I'm gonna work these fundamental movements, it can be so big. I mean, even just like plyometric jumping training, I mean, there's only so much of that you could do in one session before you burn out. We're looking right. for quality movement, not so much high volume, but, you know, lower volume, but executing properly. If these kids can understand and do that, you don't need any fancy equipment. You go in your garage, go in the basement, work these things. This could prevent you a course of something from 12 to even 18 months of a rehab, depending on how bad you are and all this money and all this stuff. And that's why that's conversation that Joe and I have, like we have one rock star goaltender right now. And it was like, Joe, I'm like, you, know, you got to keep on her, keep on the parents. But the parents have a relationship where they text them a lot of stuff and be like, make sure but don't fall off on doing this because I would hate to see her get injured again. And then you know, on the other end, we try to explain to athletes that, look, you're going to be an athlete. You're going to get little injuries. But there's a difference between 
you taking a bad slide tackle and getting like a soft tissue injury or a mild sprain and now understanding how to rehab that versus you getting an ankle fracture or versus you running and that foot rolling in and getting a grade three tear versus your foot rolls in and you tweak it because your neuromuscular is so good that it's okay, I got a little tweak, now I got to do my rehab stuff I learned from Joe, Mike, Q, whatever, Jordan, and now I'm doing these things because athletes have to learn how to take care of themselves. And some of the other people we brought on this podcast work with pro athletes, and they talk about that. The athletes that understand it are going to do well, they're going to take care of themselves, the ones that don't and want to, you know, go party on the yacht, you know, and drink their purple drink and not do the stuff are the ones that are not going to have a long career because they're not taking it seriously. Your body is how you make a living with this and you got to take care of it, you know? So, I mean, and the great, the great thing we get, I don't know if you get it, but the parents come in, my kids got to get faster. Do you get that a lot, Q? They got to get faster. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times I'll, you know, and Jordan does the same thing. He conducts half the new or the discovery session with the parent present. And then I'll pull a kid and be like, all right, what do you want to do? Like what? Like what are your goals? Exactly. You know, and and there's times where like Nick, Mike, I know you've dealt with this a million times. You'll ask a kid a question, and the parent will answer, <laughs> and you won't even acknowledge the parent. You'll just look at the kid and you'll repeat the question. And I, you know, you do what you got to do. And you pull the parent aside and you're like, listen, you're not helping, answering every time I ask a question. Pull me aside afterwards, and we, you and I can discuss. Right. You know what 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 the young man's telling me, but um, you know. It, you, I think uh, they're paying, so we have to keep them in the loop, and it's the right thing to do. But we have to make sure that the expectations are realistic. Yeah. You know, th- and th- this is what you're going to get here. Will your will your son or daughter be faster? Hopefully, that'd be great. But that's not going to be the expectation. The expectation is that they're going to be healthier, that they're going to live better, they're going to be happier, right? Like, how about some of the, the you know the social and emotional things that are going on in their lives, especially right now. Yeah. Um, you know, let's keep expectations realistic. Uh, that doesn't mean we're not superstars because they didn't get faster, but they're, they're moving better. Uh, they're less likely to get injured or reducing that risk. Right. So, um, you know, they, they, they can shove it if, if, if they want to go somewhere only because they're going to get faster. Yeah, well, I mean, we brought on the other week. I mean, I even see that you follow him. Uh, Carmen Del Mastro used to work over yeah. with uh, Joe. Uh, Nukes, man, I've already worked with yeah. some of his drills. Uh, and we asked him that, we're like, you know, because you do speed and agility and power, what do you think about that? And he confirmed it too. He's like, you, you got to have that foundation. He's like, where is the power coming from? Right. If you don't have that foundation, the muscles don't know how to function here. How are they going to produce a higher force and a higher demand? So I know that parents want to get faster and do this, but it's almost like Joe explains, well, let's look at the sport and what do you mean? by faster speed because, you know, is it acceleration? Is it the ability to move from point A to point B better? You know, like, what are we talking about here? So sometimes the parents don't understand that they're trying to convey a message, but they don't know how to say it because they're not educated there. So having that conversation explaining, you know, this is what the demands of the sport are. And this is what we need to do to be able to get your child to be able to do these type of demands. Right, right. Yeah, and they talk about, like, I have a great example there. You know, someone asked me the other day, like the girl plays basketball and she's looking for speed. I'm like, are you looking for speed or are you looking to be quicker? Right. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you're having, you're not going to have that many breakaways. And when we're looking at when we, in my mind, when I think fast, I'm thinking like max velocity, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, that neck, that, that, that 30, after that 30 yards or whatever, 
Well, a basketball court, you don't really need that. But I need to be fast or quick in, you know, a two-foot range or, you know, a two-yard range where I got to react and get to the ball. That's quick to me. I don't need to be fast for that. But in order to be quick, I got to learn how to get the right angles, right? Now I'm, I'm getting into the angle and I'm, I'm driving out of the ground. I'm producing the force. So I think that that is what the parent is missing, you know? Like, they just hear fast and every everybody wants to be bigger, stronger, faster, right? I mean, let's go. Like, but at the end of the day, we all can't be that way because there's a foundation that needs to be put in place first. And, and everyone wants to skip past the foundation and get right to the top because everyone's kid is going to be the next, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, and at the end of the day, they just have to, they have to realize that, it's a process. You know, you're not coming in for three sessions to get faster and then you leave. Yeah, yeah. This is a developmental process. This is going to take time. This is, this is four months, six months, a year, a year. Like, what do we, what is the end all be all goal here? Like, it's not, you know, okay. You want to, every day that you come in here and you work on your craft, you're going to get better. So you got to come in, you got to be consistent and you got to be persistent. Yeah, and the irony is, you know, look at uh, Saquon Barkley, bigger, faster, stronger, genetic phenomenon, ACL. What happened there? You know, so if that's not a great telltale sign or an example to use for these kids to understand, look, you took the best of the best. This guy had mom and dad with the perfect genes that came out, I mean, you know, and still went down with one of the most popular injuries. What is that saying? No one's invincible. It's all about these issues, and it's probably even worse sometimes with the pros because they don't think they have to do it. But now, at a high school, college level, if you're, you know, because a lot of them feel the pressure in programs. I know gymnastics is like this. Well, if I don't have my daughter or my son involved in all these programs, they're not going to get looked at or the scouts and this and that. And I'm like, look, you're not doing them any service by having them sit on the bench taping everything up injured. And if there really is another prospect that's coming on and threatening their spot, you want to make sure they have the best chance to compete for that spot and prove that they have the skill there, but give them the opportunity to prove that they could play that sport better. And they're the one for that position, but they can't do that. If they're constantly injured. So give them a healthy chance there. And if you keep band-aiding it and putting it back, putting it back, it's not going to do them any good, at least t- step them back so they can come back and go, and go further basically, you know? Yep. What comes down to managing expectations? You know, you, you guys have it right there. Uh, you know, we got to educate the parents. We have, you know, Mike, you brought up some uh, global issues, uh, I would call them, uh, in, in terms of preventing injuries and, uh, and athletes being disciplined and, and doing the thing and doing your exercises and not being easy. Uh, let's, like, come up and, like, like, as a whole, our profession, the people who know what we know, let's come up with, like, some global solutions, right? Like, and, and there's barriers to that, right? There's politics. I, I can't help this high school out because I don't pay the athletic trainer uh, or I don't pay the physician. So uh, well, you you know, the we're not affiliated with that contract with them, but we know how that goes. I, well, yeah, we deal with it in house. You know, we, I get it. You know, I, we have uh, since going to another clinic to do screenings uh, that rent space from us and would probably send us, you know, you know, majority of those athletes, but they're going to another place to do the screenings mm. because they hired the, the trainer to, uh, you know, to, to, to work at that school, we got the contract. So, you know, yes, there's barriers, but let's, you know, to help, you know, Tommy Smith and, you know, Mr. Smith and Mrs. Smith understand the case is one thing, uh, the situation to help a team or community or an organization 
understand, you know, the problem. Help them. If you give them uh, the solutions and what to do, exactly what coach is doing, you do these exercises and you show up and you, you know, you do what I'm asking you to do. We're going to reduce the likelihood of you getting injured and optimize your performance. Or you do this program on your own. Uh, that's how that's how you make, in my opinion, a, a global difference, yep. uh, an impact. And I feel like that's where my brain is at now, uh, in the position I'm as a clinic director, uh, than it was, you know, when I was learning the ropes. Now I kind of I'm getting more of a feel for it, feel more confident. There's always more to learn, but how can we help more people? You know, that's what it comes down to. I'm only so valuable. Yes, I can pile up my bank account and and you know and and help you know the the pros and whoever else but like how about how about the how about the kids how about the yep. parents that aren't educated you know to me that's uh and that's why i wanted to take insurance you know here so that we can help a lot more people and scale this thing to make more of a difference and get rid of all the stereotypes about bs outpatient pt yeah. well it's it's this you know podcasts are becoming so popular because it's ability for people to connect and share ideas i mean we're always constantly quoting other podcasts yeah. that people bring on because it's part of that conversation is people in the same foundation that care about what they do and they want to share their ideas. And if they didn't, they wouldn't come on and talk about it and do this. But we live in, we live in an age of knowledge and we want to separate the real people from like the Instagram influencers, the people that just look good and are promoting bullshit and it's out there and it's being exposed. And you get these people that unfortunately companies will hire them and throw stuff at them and they're putting out this garbage material. And then people come in and say, Hey, I saw this on Instagram. I saw this online, but that's, that's every, every age had this new battle. And now there was a time where you couldn't get that information. You had to read a magazine or read a book or go to a seminar. Now it's all right out there, but you have to decipher what is real, what is legit, who can you really trust? Same thing with even people going to find a good surgeon and stuff like that. You know, you have to go and do your research and find who's good, who's going to spend some time, you know? So it takes a lot of that research. You got to decipher through the information, but by us talking about this and sharing and networking and giving out ideas, that I think is your way of getting, getting to get, you know, get better. I mean, I think that that's kind of what a lot of the leaders in our professions try to promote. You see them, they come on and they try to get that information out because they want to see things be better. I mean, dude, life's hard enough. I mean, look at, look at everything we're dealing with now, pandemic. We don't got to make it twice as hard. You should be able to be healthier and improve human performance and let's get people doing things. People love competition. They love doing stuff, you know, and, and if they have the right method and the right medium to do that healthily, healthily and safely, you know, you're going to get a better outcome. It's all about improving the quality of life. And that, that's really why we all decided to get into the, the professions that we got into because we want to want to see that happen. You know? Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. Hey, listen, I want to, I want to transition away from this for a second and kind of tie back into what Q was talking about earlier, as far as, cause it was in the back of my mind. As far as the the video, is there some kind of video analysis that you were talking about that that you use down there? Is this with is this with everybody, or is this with you know certain? Uh, is it just with the athletes, or is it with certain injuries? What what are you using? What what is this video? Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah so uh, I use video uh, for just about anything. If I've seen it with my eye. Uh, like, all right, for an example, I, you know, if I might have seen it with my eye, I, I want video. So um, uh, I had a rower come in. I don't work with a lot of rowers, uh, and I think I'm probably going to start working with more of them. But uh, <laughs> I kid who's rowing, he brought, he brought in his, um, uh, you know, his, his rowing machine, and he's going, he's going through it, and I'm videotaping. Now, I don't know form. I have no problem admitting that. I don't know the form that well. 
Uh, that's not something I have done a lot or seen a lot of. So uh, he brings in the erg. He's running, you know, he's on it for like 60 seconds. And I tell him like, all right, the last 20 seconds, I want you to turn it up. So uh, record it, run side by side. I'm going online, YouTube videos, and I'm not just taking any videos. I'm looking at like you would a review when you're looking at research. I'm looking at like probably two different videos um, and, and trying to, you know, look at views and what the comments are, just to make sure this is appropriate for him. And I have the young man's number. I sent him a video of what I thought to be good form based on what I had researched. And I said, tell me what you think about this. And he said one or two comments about it. And then, uh, and then he sent me feedback uh, on his video, which I sent to him later. And he said, whoa, I didn't even realize I was doing that. So I don't have to be an expert in, in the technique to address what he's doing wrong or to identify what he's doing wrong. Right. He identified what he was doing wrong because yeah. he knows the technique that I do. Yeah. Right. And then if he's coming up high and his wrists are coming up, well, I know that he's not retract shoulder blades. He's only pulling back. And to do that, he has to extend his lumbar spine, his thoracic spine. So I know that we're not recruiting the right musculature. And I got to look at the thoracic spine to see if there's mobility there, if he's just, if, or if he's just hinging on, on the lumbar spine. So, so take what the athlete knows and use it to your advantage. And that's yeah, so simple. That's so, great. so runners and, and single leg hops, I do it for single leg hops all the time. And a lot of times I'll do it so they can see what they're doing yeah, wrong exactly. as feedback. So yeah, it helps me. Um, and, uh, but I think more so it helps the athlete to give them feedback. I'm like, this is how we're working on the act. This is why I want you to stretch that diagonal cap and do yeah. your, your single leg heel raises to get some eccentric focus and stretch and flexibility and get into pronation and work on that big toe. Because look how, look how unstable this ankle is. Right. You know? right. So it's, it's instant feedback for, for them. Instant feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for a lot of different things, uh, off, uh, you know, throw lines on there and, and what, you know, for the, through TPI. Do you use certain apps or you just, you just. Yeah. I like the huddle technique. Uh, personally, huddle technique allows me to uh, import a video I just took. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure it's free uh, and you can put lines on it. Um, I can save the video. I can email the video. Um, I can have different colors and I can draw circles, lines, arrows. Um, so, so it's beneficial. I can measure angles on that. Well, uh, which I like to do with some, you know, some knee valgus single leg hop uh, stuff. But um, yeah, I like personally, I like the huddle technique. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So it brings us to, um, uh, three of the questions that I, I love asking all the, uh, all the guests that come on here, uh, because at the end of the day, where a lot of the inspiration for the podcast, the podcast came from is just curiosities in general, you know, fitness entrepreneurs, uh, leaders of businesses and, and, you know, uh, PT companies, just anything sports performance. So, um, I kind of, Put together a bunch of questions and I, then, then I dialed it down into three questions that, that I find to be uh, the most intriguing. So question one is, what are the things that are keeping you up at night right now? What are some things that would be keeping you up at, at night? Uh, development uh, of, of staff and not necessarily my staff, but future staff. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking bigger picture here, more clinics, more opportunity, but how to, how to best develop more staff uh, without taking every minute of my day to do it and create appropriate caseload to make sure the numbers stay, you know, go, you know, are, are on the right trajectory. 
So that's that's challenging. Uh, and the course that Mike has inspired me to go through uh, is is probably the answer to it. Um, you know, like don't put it on my shoulders. You know, seventh S FMS. Make them make sure they're certified FMS. Make sure yep. you know they do the functional the, the functional screening, uh, capacity screening. So uh, TPI. So you know, let Greg Cook take care of them essentially. Uh, but given the resources, right? I don't have to teach them all myself. Given the resources I learned, kind of yes, it's keep me up at night because I don't know the the best way to uh, motivate them to gotcha. do that. Okay. Uh, and I think you know we we bring on the right people, it, it should come together. But that's it. I would say that's keeping me up is having on the right people at the right price uh, and give them opportunities to grow right. while uh, you know while putting them in the right direction without being while being subtle. All right, good. All right, question number two. What are some of your success habits? Oh, man. Uh, determination and focus. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll make sure, like, I don't care what time it is, I'm getting these notes done tonight. Um, and, uh, and, and I think uh, the willingness to help. So I'll, I'll stay as long as I need to sometimes. To, to help to help people out. So um, I have a notebook. I write everything down in my notebook. I, you know, and I, you know, it could be any, you know, send flowers to to the wife or whatever, dropping off lunch, or it could be an exercise program. I got to send somebody. So, so I'll you're a big note taker. Big note taker. Yeah, and I otherwise I I'm concussions or what, but I'll I'll forget them. Uh, so I, my my brain is maybe like yours. I know it's like Mike. I'm going a million different places yeah. at the same yeah. time. Got to write it so down I, so you at least know where did I put that idea. Oh, okay, it's on that piece of paper over there. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I would say jotting things down, emailing myself, telling myself. I check all those things before I go to bed. Okay. Uh, make sure I get them done. All right. Cool. All right. Number three. What is your biggest obsession right now? Man, uh, it's uh, my, uh, so I can go a couple now. different ways. So I can go. My wife is doing three weeks. Um, oh man! So so, yeah. so, so uh, yeah, yeah everybody's going through this now. Uh, I don't know how fair this is, but uh, you know, you two are fathers, and I can't wait. It's our first, and uh, yeah, so. My biggest obsession right now is uh, my wife, and uh, and it's amazing what she's going through right now. And we haven't even gotten to that day yet. She's a warrior. Uh, you know, she's still running, Mike. You know, she's still she ran like you wow. know, she ran like two miles out of the morning. She's, she's doing three weeks and she's running. Yeah, she ran like I think two miles the other morning. She wow. came up every single morning. She wakes me up five thirty. She's like, I think I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And I'm like, you say that every time. Get out of here. So, uh, yeah, she's a beast. So my obsession right now is, is her and getting my life in order <laughs> to make sure I'm ready to, to try and handle that. And then making sure I'm leaving all the pieces, uh, you know, lined up here. We've grown, you know, we're, you know, we are at year like four in terms of maturity. It's been 12 months through COVID. So, wow. uh, I, you know, I have an awesome staff here. We have, uh, we got four PTs, a uh, personal trainer, an aide and Jordan, and then two front desks. So that's a lot. That's eight staff members. Wow. Uh, and I'm usually here all day, every day. So I'm leaving them behind. So making sure that this is teed up for them to grow, you know, for, for the week or two I'm out uh, is, is my obsession. It, that's awesome stuff. And by the way, congratulations. Uh, I'm at the further end of that spectrum, as we talked about before the podcast. Uh, Mike is about, what, eight weeks into his, uh, his newborn? 
Yeah, she's uh, she's 10 weeks now. 10 weeks, 10 weeks. You're getting ready to have one. And I am taking my two on vacation tomorrow. We're headed down to the Gulf Coast of Florida for four days. Yeah, uh, mine are 22 and 20. So I did all that. We did the, you know, the peeing on you, the, you know, the throwing up and, and the screaming, the raging that Mike claims that his daughter is, maybe she's going to be a singer. Dude, she's Italian. They yell. That's what they do for no reason. Hugh, you're in trouble. I, you see my wife. You know how she is, right? So uh, my daughter, but you just got to learn how to tame the beast. That's all. But she doesn't pull as much bullshit with me as she does with my wife. And I've been telling her that. She knows that I do not tolerate the crap. Like today I had a watch her. My wife went out. She had some chores and stuff to do. I fed her. We napped. You know, it was an off day. We napped. Lie down, shut up, we're napping. There you go. Hey, listen, you got it all under control. Just talk to me when she's, when she's 12 and she's shopping and she's telling you that, uh, Daddy, I want this. I okay. fear the teenage years, but I think working with all these teenage athletes, I'm learning a little bit. It'll, it'll prepare you. It'll prepare yeah. you well. Um, yeah. So, Mike, MSG, Mike, tie this all in together here. I always like how Mike ties this uh these podcasts together at the end. He gets on these soapboxes a little bit. So yeah, see if we can yeah. rattle his cage there, Q. What do you got yeah. for us today, Mike? So, you know, thanks again for coming on, Q, obviously. Uh, we like to bring on, you know, like-minded people. And, um, you know, I, I think as you go through your, through basically your profession, through your career and your life, you, you start finding the more you are goal-driven, the clearer things become for you. And that means that other things start falling by the wayside and it just happens. I mean, just when you're really focused and I find that I have distanced myself, not purposely, but just by the way I'm going because I distance myself from those that don't have much direction. And when you're in a room before obviously COVID and we had parties and social gatherings, you see the people that stuck out. When Joe is a patient in my clinic, it just lights up. You just connect with people on the same page. You know, Q and I connect and we have conversations. You just see. You go to a continuing ed course, there's people that just you connect with and, and it just lights up. And you know that these are people you want to surround yourself by. And you don't surround yourself by the people that just basically don't want to do shit or aren't enthusiastic. You surround yourself by those because if you want to be successful and you want to do, do what you want to do and you want to go forward and accomplish stuff, you have to surround yourself by those people. And sometimes there will be a little bit of sacrifice. Sometimes to get there, you sacrifice some other friends, some other family, you know, things like that. But to get to that point, you know, you have, you have to kind of stay focused with that. So that's kind of naturally what happens. So I find that when you, when you go back into the episodes of this podcast, you look at the people I network with on social media, they're all people that are either athletes with the same goal, physical therapists with the same mindset, you don't see me hanging out with any BS, like nine to five PTs that are still like doing ultrasound on like necks and whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm surrounding myself by those that want to get the best out of life. And I tell everybody this, that I've been through some serious shit in my life. But, you know, when you connect with other people, you realize so have a lot of other people. And when you go through that, you have a different view on life. You don't waste your time doing, doing nonsense. You know, when you... When you are challenged with that, you start to appreciate every day for what it is. You start to appreciate every opportunity. I think that's why the COVID thing is really hard for somebody like myself, or even something like all three of us, because yeah. we want to do stuff and make the best out of it. And this 
this distancing, this quarantining, this face masking stuff, we, you know, it, it's tough. We enjoy seeing people. We want to do things. Some people don't. They want to come home. They want to play Call of Duty. Hey, that's what you want to do? Cool. You know, but some of us, we want to do a little bit more life. You know, that's why I still like to compete. I still like doing the Spartan race because not only has it taught me a lot about myself as an athlete, but as a person, but also as a PT, but it's brought me to connect with so many different types of people. A lot of the people even brought on the podcast are through that network and you just yeah. learn a lot more. Yeah. So when you go to work every day and you look back, everything is full of energy. You know, all, all these resources, all these people. So that's what's got me really excited about this stuff. You know, that's why we like to do this. And that's why I always connect. I always send people stuff on Instagram. I always send people stuff. I, you know, I don't get involved in the, in the other crap. Yeah. I ignore all that. I, Stay in the lane of promoting what it's for, you know, and you can easily get engulfed in the bullshit and you got to just stay above it and continue to go forward and stay in your network. And the more you do that, I think the clearer things come. I think that's the way we're going to get to a better position. I think that our society is struggling with a lot of problems because we're always constantly trying to cut corners and we need more people who are trying to do the 110% to speak out and yeah, get on those soapboxes and do stuff like this, podcast, mm -hmm. education, talk. And promote that because the only way we're going to get better is everybody just does their job a little bit better. We're going to have less problems. And unfortunately, we've gotten to a position where we've gotten lackluster with that. And now we're in a position where it's a big wake-up call where there's a lot of improvement required. So we got to continue to network and basically empower people that don't know any better and connect with the people that do. Bingo. Man, see, I told you, Q, I got – really Rattle the, the wrap up. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Guinness, who else are we going to plug? There Whoop. you go. I we got the roof. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, oh this was, this was, I, I thank you for your time. I know you got, you got a busy clinic going on there. I know you have your own podcast. So, what I want you to do is, I want you to throw your plug in on your podcast. I want you to tell everyone, because we have, Mike and I, I just told him the other day, we have millions of listeners. <laughs> So I want you to tell our millions of listeners about your podcast and then also about where they can find you on some of the social media networks. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. You two are uh, the most knowledgeable in the field, uh, especially in this area and your, pa your passion is second to none. Uh, so uh, the only difference between you guys and, and the published ones is you guys haven't had the time to write the book yet. So, uh, I mean, you guys are the, are the real deal and it's, honored uh and i told mike this from 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 go that i'm honored that you guys would invite me on um i do have my own podcast as well uh the on q the letter q on q performance therapy podcast nice. uh so i'll get you guys a shirt but i need one of those shirts uh oh, sure right. it's coming it's coming <laughs> uh so you can find me on there i'm on we're on spotify and uh the and on itunes as well uh so on q performance the podcast uh, and uh, and that's about sports medicine. That's a, a lot of what you guys are doing. Um, you know, it's myself and and our guests. So uh, you know, love to have you guys on. And I think we're hopefully may use some of this audio and uh, and, and and you know promote it. But um, yeah, it's sports medicine. It's it's wrong with things. What could be better about things in terms of sports and medicine? And uh, you know, it's 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 we got coaches. You guys are on national. I'm focusing on this area, and I want to try and highlight some things some problems that we have locally, hopefully we can change some things, uh, but it, it applies nationally. So, yeah. um, so what the podcast, um, I'm on Instagram and that's N underscore Quinton's DPT. And that's Quinton Q U I N T 
T-A-N-S, D as in David, P as in Peter, and T as in uh, Tall. So uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram and then LinkedIn, um, Mike, Michael Quintins. And, uh, and then what else we got? I think that's oh, my email. So Michael period Quintins, Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-S at P-T-W institute.com. So there you go. There's 18 and different plugs now, for you. Listen, you're going to probably get flooded with some kind of information. Well, if not a bunch of followers on Instagram, definitely uh, a bunch of emails, right, Mike? I mean, we're, we're, yeah, man, let's, let's not get it twisted. We're not national yet, but we, we do have a goal. Our, first off, our goal is to get this thing like you in the region and getting parents. Because at the end of the day, like, there's just so much right in this area that the three of us see in the conversations <laughs> that we consistently have with parents, you know, about the same things, about speed, about injuries. How do I, how do I help, you know, uh, my kid reduce these things? How do I get them faster? How, you know, so yeah. we're, we're answering all them questions. Yeah, Michael. How many people are following you if you see that? Even when we talk to someone like Carmen, he's got like 95,000 followers and it drives him up a wall every day. He almost got hates it. It's about the network you're in. So if you have a, a, a network, be strong within that network. That's important. So be strong within the region you're in. It's more important exactly. than reaching out all over. Maybe it doesn't even pertain to a lot. Just find, you know, your niche. Exactly. Michael, where yeah, can they are, find you? So new hashtag upgrade, who this honey badger underscore juicy at Instagram. Uh, if you don't know what that means, just follow me and you'll find out. We got all the juicy stuff, PT, training, and stupid stuff. Give you a good laugh. We're having a good time. That's what it's about. And then uh, I'm on Facebook, but I just, you know, use that for the groups and stuff, you know. Yeah, um, you, can, you, you can probably stop saying to Facebook because you don't, you don't think you want anybody on there anyway. Just first off, folks, watch his stories. Please go and, and follow Mike. Watch his stories. They are hysterical. Hysterical. He barely has a shirt on. He reminds me of my buddy out in L.A. I'll give him a free plug. At Richie Million Jr. Uh, he's Eat Rich. He's a, he's a uh, big uh, private chef out in L.A. that never has a shirt on. So between the two of you, I don't know who has, doesn't have it on. But I'm going to tell you this weekend, I won't have mine on. because I'll be yeah, working buddy. on my stand. Get that oil ready. Can. That's right. Get that oil ready. Hey, listen, you guys can follow me at coach underscore Haas, H-O-S. It's been a pleasure to have Mike Q on tonight. Uh, please go give him a follow as well. And uh, we'll wrap it up and we'll be back at it again, hopefully next Thursday night. God bless. Yeah. All right, boys. We out. All right. All right, fellas. See you, Mike. All right, man. See you guys.